So here we are. Welcome back to the Strict Jesuit Podcast. I'm uh, Michael Waganka, and this is Jonathan Harmon. And uh, we are returning to you after a long hiatus uh, with a new intro theme song that uh, Father Harmon has thoughts about. It's not that I have bad thoughts about it. They're just thoughts. Okay. It's good. It's yeah. good. I mean, I think it's the instrumental mellow. instrumental intro, mellow. Uh, I think it's mellow. It kind of sets a nice little like p- pensive mood, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, can you think of a metal track that would be better? No, I would not have a metal track for this. So what is it about a metal track that makes it not suitable for a podcast intro? I mean, you can. It just depends on the podcast. Okay. Like, just two dudes talking. Okay. Like, I think that's kind of a mellow thing. We're not going to, like, yell at anybody or anything. Right. And I was asking you earlier whether there was a metal duo (laughs) from Finland that we could use as a... Like, I said we were like Simon and Garfunkel, and that did not... I don't feel like, I don't feel like you identify with either of those. No, I like or Hall and Oates. That would have been more my speed. That's more your speed. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. <laughs> so here we are again. Um, it's been I think at least twelve months. We did not record a podcast in the entirety of the year twenty twenty one. Ooh, yeah. And that's now twenty twenty two. That's not a failure. It just happened because we it got happens. off of hybrid and came back to IRL that's real right. life. And, and then I moved. And then uh, Father Harmon moved. Where did you move to? I am currently living. In New York City. It's the big city. The Big Apple, as it's called. But you feel like you miss Straight Jesuit. Absolutely. This is a great place to be, great place to work. Um, a lot of good people. A lot of good memories. Good memories. We just had a Don's uh, oh, sandwich, man. cafe sandwich. You gotta have that. That was... It always it always gets me a little bit. The uh, the jalapeno always gets you a little bit, but... Boy, it's satisfying. Pungent. 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 Uh, <laughs> so here we are. The, uh, the band is back together. Um... On location at Strict Jesuits, recording a podcast in a new year. So, Amen. Um, it's been a long time coming, but we're back. And uh, today is also a big deal for us as Jesuits. The holy name. The name of Jesus. The holy name of Jesus. Uh, and so uh, I thought that would be a, a fruitful topic for us to take is a stab at. Is it a solemnity at. for us? It is a solemnity. We have a Gloria and nice. a Creed together. Um, do you know why we have uh, the most holy name of Jesus? What... Uh, why, why do we have this on this day? On this day? I have no idea why it's on this day. Um, it's such a big deal for us because that's the name of the Society of Jesus. That's what Ignatius wanted us to be close to. Exactly. So reverence for the name of Jesus. Uh, it is uh, in Luke chapter 2. <laughs> I did more prep for this podcast than I've ever done for a podcast ever in my life. Say so more. Luke, Luke chapter 2, verse 21, it uh-huh. says that uh, when eight days were complete for uh, something, he uh, eventually... <laughs> Uh, he was given the name of Jesus. Uh-huh. So eight days after Christmas, uh, after eight days are completed. So it's the ninth day after Christmas. Mm-hmm. The Epiphany, which we celebrated yesterday. Which should be on the sixth. Because how many days is that? I don't know. It should be 12, I think, right? Oh, is that right? So this Christmas math, but then also the presentation is on... My birthday. February 2nd? Yeah. There you go. So uh, <laughs> the presentation is on February 2nd. And so when's the end of Christmas? That's the question. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, that's always a, a bizarre conversation to have with people, especially in the secular world where Christmas ends on Christmas Day. Like people will celebrate Christmas Eve maybe, and then they'll go open their presents in the morning and then take down their tree in the evening. For the Christian, or for the Catholic rather, um, I mean, what was it? In the old calendar, it was the 6th was the end with Epiphany. Right. When was it Candlemas was the end? How long ago was that? 
I, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell you. I, here Since we have. it's my birthday, I mean, I like to think that we can kind of go out on a, on a bang with yeah. with the celebration. So of you're my saying birth- you're you're a Christmas baby. I think I am. Yeah. So I your birthday happens on yeah. on Christmas. On Christmas, right? It's possible. I mean, it's an open <laughs> open debate. Um, I uh, yeah, I like the January sixth, but I appreciate also the Sunday getting people to not miss a mm-hmm. uh, holy day of obligation and whatnot. Yeah. I, well, yes. I think it's a shame that we don't get to ever celebrate like the second Sunday of Christmas. And I think there's another one that is always transferred that we can never actually celebrate. Ascension is always transferred later. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, so the Ascension one, for some reason, I, I think I do like the Ascension on the Thursday. Um, and uh, just for the math for, I think, Pentecost, right? That's right. Ascension, Pentecost. In order to work out. That's right. But... Um, Anyways, so... Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Here we are. (laughs) Why don't we uh, start off with a brief prayer? So, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ, who has come to us uh, today on Christmas, uh, which we celebrate for these uh, days, even up into the new year. Uh, We give you thanks for his presence in our midst and the new life that he brings. Uh, We ask that you would... uh, Make him especially present and known uh, to those who do not know him, those who are uh, still in fear, those who are sick, uh, those who are um, not where they would like to be right now. And Lord, we ask that you bless us and uh, bless all those who who listen to this podcast. Uh, We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So, uh, the holy name of Jesus, Mm -hmm. uh, why do you think... Um, Jesuits hold it in such high regard, and why do you think you know why are we called the Jesuits instead of the Ignatians? Instead of the Ignatians, yeah, I mean, I think it's and Ignatius himself got a lot of flack for it, but I think it's a really beautiful um, gesture to show that well, while yes, it's true we hold Ignatius up as you know Holy Father Ignatius and the the other founders, um, we live out his charism basically. Uh, his focus, he's almost like a John the Baptist type of a character where people are pointing to him and he's like, no, 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 let's point to Jesus. And so I think there's a, yeah, there's something really beautiful there where, you know, we can, we can, we can have our, all of our great, you know, we publish books, we do all these great things. Um, the Jesuits, not me, (laughs) uh, but it's never, the focus is never, should never be on, on me, the person. It's almost like, uh, like the the person of the priest, especially at mass, performing the sacraments, uh, stands in persona Christi. Like it's it's all about looking, pointing to to Jesus. Uh, and I think that's a beautiful thing that we do. Uh, you know what is it? Philippians, uh, which is that every uh, at the name of Jesus that every knee shall bend. Uh, like there's, yeah, there's there's something to a name. And going back to my 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 favorite topic, Tolkien. Uh, he was very fond of names as well. He gave everything like five or six names. <laughs> uh, and not just so that there can be a lots of confusion, but so that you can really show how important, so that you can really know somebody uh, when they offer you, when something that has been given to them, their name, is now something that they are able to offer to so what's you. The, what's an example of this in uh, The Lord of the Rings? I mean, of a, a name that's given, multiple names given to... Oh, everybody. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things, it didn't ever come up in the movies, but like... Uh, Aragorn, his, well, he was Strider, his ranger name, and then Aragorn was his, you know, whatever other name. His king name, do you know this? You don't know I this. I don't know this. Uh, was King Elisar, 
<laughs> so like, yeah, you've got these different, and Gandalf was, had a couple of names, Aloran was his. The gray and the white. Well, yeah, I mean, that changed a, a <laughs> like that, but anyway, anyway. So, I mean, I think uh, the giving of a name, I just had, uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I find that the, the giving of a name can be quite significant that, uh, I mean, my name, Michael, uh, is kind of a confrontation even of uh, who is like God. It's a, mm. kind of mm -hmm. a question, but it's a question that I don't think is meant to have an answer. So it's the best of all types of questions. Um, and uh, I've always found that to be, uh, yeah, something that I think is, um, like whenever I meet another Michael, I find it to be significant. Whenever mm -hmm. I meet uh, another Jonathan, I probably think of like the other Jonathans I've known, right? Yeah. So uh, I think we have associations with names. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I hear the name name Jesus, right, I think it mm -hmm. has uh, like a very strong um, meaning for us, and uh, and that meaning had a beginning. The way that uh, like the the meaning of the name Jonathan had a beginning for me. That each of these has uh, a starting point in in human history, uh, and uh, and as a result, we can uh, look to what it signifies by remembering the the moments when we've spoken the name, uh, when we've heard the name. Uh, when the name was uh, first spoken, when it was given to a person, each of these are kind of, I think, uh, historical moments of uh, either when you meet someone or uh, when you say someone's name at a funeral, right? As mm -hmm. well, uh, mm -hmm. that we offer the names, uh, offer names by ma uh, by name at mass um, for memorial masses and funerals. Uh, so the names are spoken at like significant moments of a person's life. Um, they're spoken with affection. Uh, and they're even given. They're not something that we didn't uh, choose for ourselves, but mm -hmm. they're something that is given to us by another. And uh, and so I think any name is significant. Any name is important. Uh, but this name of Jesus uh, is all the more important because it was given by an angel. Mm -hmm. um, so the messenger uh, is given by God himself uh, for God uh, and God's son. Um, and as a result, uh, this name is to be revered above all others. Even if we have other names that we love and know mm -hmm. um, and that mean a great deal to us, this one is somehow kind of categorically different because mm -hmm. it's given by God himself um, upon the message of an angel. Um, so, I mean, how do, we, how do we treat it differently or how, how, does it, how is it different from other names, I guess, in your... Play, we play this game with ourselves sometimes, like, does this person look... Do you look like a Michael? Yeah. Yeah, you do. Do I? And I don't know what that means, right? And like, I've met other Michaels that don't look like you. <laughs> sure. Uh, but I think that like that, the way that we associate is exactly what, to get at your, at your, at your question, uh, why that's so important, why this name of Jesus is so important, that it's not just, it's not just some person's name, even a person that I really like. This is the name of God, <laughs> you know, and we talk about and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The only reason that we can, well, not the only reason, but one of the main reasons that we can actually know him is because we have a face, we've got a name, we've got all of these things uh, that make a person a person. Uh, and now God also has that. And so that the power of the name, I think that's why it, it stands out above all others, is not because of the name itself, but because it's the name that was given to God. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just, I was just, I mean, I find it very interesting that, uh, I mean, you mentioned that a name always is tied to a, to a particular person, to, uh, to, uh, an infant is given a name. Uh, but for us, like we didn't, we didn't encounter the infant, um, 
you know, um, in real life. We didn't yeah. hold him in our hands. Uh, and so this name is a name that has been spoken to us uh, by others and that it's a name that uh, comes to us uh, in our faith and that is the name by which uh, the entire human race is to be saved. Uh, there's no other name, no, no other name under heaven given to men uh, by which uh, the human race is to be saved. And so, and, and so, in the case of Jesus Christ, who is the uh, the Word um, spoken by the Father uh, before time uh, began, uh, He is most perfectly uh, Word. He is most perfectly uh, a name that is spoken and that accomplishes uh, the Father's will. And so, uh, by speaking His name, by speaking this name, Jesus. Uh, um, we are kind of participating in that act of the Father in uh, breathing forth um, His Spirit upon the world and giving it order and uh, overcoming uh, sin and death. Um, that even the saying of the name is uh, powerful because it is uh, the second person of the Trinity of the Word. So um, I suppose that's another reason why it should have reference. One, because it's spoken by an angel. One, because um, yeah. Jesus is Himself the Word. Yeah. Well, and keep let's keep going with that train of thought. Like think about. Let's go back to Genesis, right? Okay. Uh, we hear from the prologue to John that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Like, crazy, right? Uh, uh, on Christmas Day, I preached on... That was our re gospel for that day. Uh, and my focus was, like, the prologue can be so kind of abstract and uh, up in the air kind of a thing. And I really wanted to challenge people to look at look at it simply. Like, what is this actually saying? Well, it's reminding us of who God is. Um, and, well, God is. Uh, and we go back to Genesis. The universe, everything was created through a word, like you said. Uh, uh, and that's that word is Jesus. And then, and then here's where it gets really cool. Think to uh, what happens with Adam and Eve in the garden. They participate in that creative act with God by naming all of the other creatures. So now humanity is given, in a sense, that same power and authority uh, not to be, like they were tempted, <laughs> to, uh, to, be, to become God, to be, but to be like God. Um, and that's exactly what they were tempted with uh, by the serpent. And so we share, also share in that ability to use words and to be given names and to, and to, uh, to tap into, to become co-creators, Again, to go back to my pal Tolkien, I think today's his birthday as well. Oh, wow. Uh, Happy birthday. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we partake in that. Uh, we are co-heirs, if you will, with that, um, with that word, uh, precisely because of the, of the incarnation, because Jesus became one of us so that we can share in that simple <laughs> reality that is God. Right, and so uh, yeah, so on this on this big feast day for judgments, uh, we celebrate uh, the holy name of Jesus. Um, yeah, looking forward. What do you what do you uh, what are you um, looking forward to in the semester ahead um, in your life as a Jesuit? Anything that you? Oh man, surviving. Yeah. So I'm doing a degree in art. Yeah. As you know, those listening probably do not. Uh, I, I'm a painter. And I'm not going to a Jesuit school. I'm not going to a religious school. It's a totally secular art school in New York City. Uh, and it's hard. It's hard uh, not being in the culture, in the even the awareness. Being a figurative art school, it's interesting. The, the people are far more open to religious imagery and religious iconography because that's kind of the where, where we, especially in our history courses, right? Like that's what uh, one of my professors said something like, people invented oil painting 
to paint Jesus. Wow. <laughs> like that's the whole reason why this stuff exists wow. uh, is to depict the, to go back to this idea of the word, right? We're trying to find this image, uh, this face, which can change, right? We don't often, I mean, I guess it's kind of trendy these days to try to get historical Jesus, but for the most part, people don't really care about that. <laughs> people want Jesus to look like them. Right. And that's the beauty of it, right? He does. Uh, it's not just it's not just the historical Jesus that uh, that we care about. It's the reality of who Jesus is, which is God. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, it's just it's been uh, it's been difficult, you know. Um, but I am very much looking forward to. Uh, this is going to sound cheesy, but like to trust in that name, to trust in that name while I'm you know in certainly in the mission field, as it were, with uh, among the heathens. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So uh, at an art school, do you find that, uh, are, that, are you out of, like, are you unusual? You're a, a Jesuit priest in a secular art school. Um, is is it kind of, is it usual to be unusual in that environment that everyone is kind of unusual? Everyone's a little bit strange. Yeah, everybody's so, a weirdo. That's and so true. I, I, didn't, I didn't use that word, but, uh, but yeah. So is it, I mean, is it hard to be, like unusual, I guess, in that environment because it's just such I mean, a diverse setting. Yeah, it's this is true anywhere, right? We we want to we want to talk about how diverse we are, how independent we are, but in reality, we just want to be like everybody else. Uh, so in that sense, yeah, it's it's very difficult. Um, I think I think I have a benefit, like I was saying, of being a, a figurative art school um, and not like an abstract thing. Uh, but also it's so secular, this is bizarre when you think about it, it's so secular that like, uh, people almost don't even care really like, oh, that's weird. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. So they're not, they're not, it doesn't actually like promote a, or like a move into a conversation. It's yeah. just kind of, I mean, I have had it. many conversations with, with people once they find out, especially once they find out that I'm a Jesuit. In fact, I was wearing one of my province, uh, sweat, sweatshirts. Uh, at school one day and one of the administrators was like, what is that logo on your, on your jacket? It's like, Oh, it's a Jesuit thing. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, I thought so. I went to a Jesuit college nice. in, uh, in Cincinnati. Part of the network. That's right. That's right. And a friend of mine was in the elevator with me and I looked over to her. I was like, see, once you start, once you start to peel back, uh, uh, the screen, the veil a little bit, then you start having those connections everywhere. Right. So I was like, prepare yourself because <laughs> yeah. it's going to happen more and more. <laughs> you mentioned uh, the the work of creating art and uh, and crafting a piece of art. Do you feel a need to name it? I mean, there's a phenomenon of uh, untitled works. Yeah. I always find that to be a bit of a cheap... I feel cheated when I see untitled as the title right? of a work. Mm -hmm. We'll say more about that before I answer. I, I'm I'm just curious. Yeah. So I mean, if I see a work that's that's titled untitled, uh, I mean, I, maybe it's uh, you know like um, you know similar to in John's Gospel how we have the beloved disciple and you're invited to like place yourself mm -hmm. in the in the scene. Uh, maybe with the work like untitled, you're invited to come up with your own title for the abstract painting or whatever else. I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be abstract necessarily. It could be figurative or representational, but. Uh, I always just find like the the title is a little bit of a key or a kind of a key to interpretation. Uh, it could be someone's name, and then you realize, oh, this figure that I see is actually this person. It's a portrait, right? Or um, it's a location, and that's that's where this is, uh, Belgium or whatever else. Um, and and so it's a bit of a key into the author's uh, intent, which I know intention is not important 
ultimately. But but I always find it helpful to have some sense of just something I can grasp onto to kind of uh, be alongside the artist or be um, like enter into the painting and enter into this work that the artist is is doing. Um, and if I don't have anything to grasp onto, I'm sort of left sort of floating. And I think I ultimately just feel disengaged. I'm not as interested because there's no there's no key given to me. So I feel like I'm kind of locked out. Yeah, I get that. Uh, and all of that makes sense. Um, I would say, so I'm in the camp of, I think titles don't help uh, because it's not about me telling you what you should be thinking. Uh, like that's the whole point of the of the piece, right? Is uh, yeah, and there's a there's a lot of things that came up came about in um, the early 20th century when abstract um, expressionism became very popular. Uh, that when you're looking at just a bunch of primary colors and shapes, then you do need that key. It's like, what what am I looking at? Why do I care about this? Uh, there's a there's a French philosopher, uh, Gilles Son, who who has a couple of books on aesthetic uh, philosophy. And I always, I always found it very interesting when he starts talking about what, why art is, he says it's primarily uh, about creation, about making. Uh, and, and in the 20th century, I think, and his critique of it is that it became more about thinking. Like, let's just, you know, think through the world's problems and use, you know, a, a painting as a, uh, like as a guide or as a reference point or something, which is f like fine. People do that. Okay, great. Um, but what is the art actually saying to you? And I think there's a lot of struggle in that and there's a lot of uncomfort in that. Like you were saying, you feel kind of lost and floating. Uh, I would say that's a good thing. Uh, like, again, it's not about me telling you what you need to be thinking about this thing. It's about you searching. Uh, Tolkien in his, I'm not going to stop talking about him, just so you know, uh, in the, in the, um, in the preface or prologue, I don't remember which one of the Lord of the Rings, um, the actual trilogy, he wrote that he despises allegory. I think we've talked about this yeah. many times. He despises allegory because it chains the, uh, reader into thinking what the author thinks. Uh, instead of, he calls it applicability, the ability to apply your own experiences, to apply your own whatever to this piece uh, and, and do so, and by doing so frees you to your own, um, to your own experience of it. You know, when you start describing things and telling people, oh, well, you know, this means this and that means that, it's like, okay, yeah, it's great. Uh, and a common response is, wow, I never would have known that. I never would have been able to appreciate this without you telling me that what this actually means. Right. And I, I'm a little hesitant, resistant to that just because like, it's nice. Like that's kind of like, Oh, that's icing on the cake kind of a thing. Uh, it doesn't, shouldn't matter to me. It doesn't matter. Like if those things are accurate, or if they're right, like I don't care if, you know, Mary's wearing blue on the outside or red on the inside, or, you know, if it's, if it's not even blue, right? Like they're, uh, those are nice things and they mean things. Don't get me wrong. But like, what is what is the overall piece of art actually trying to convey? Um, sometimes it is just a puzzle to be put together. I think that's kind of boring because once you've completed it, you're like, okay, done, moving on. And so rather than art just being a thing that we consume and tick the box, uh, I think I think there's way more interest in, yeah, how, how 
again, how am I applying my different experience to the same piece that I'm having now? Uh, uh, have, let's say having a, a year of art, a uh, semester of art school under my belt, like how am I coming back to this piece of art and how is my uh, experience of it different? I, I'm thinking of uh, the distinction between art and like diagrams. The diagrams are clearly a level of an idea that you're trying to convey of, you know, this, this part is above this other part. These other parts are subordinate to this part and therefore they have arrows coming from it yeah. to the other. And you have a diagram. Um, and that's clearly just trying to convey an idea. Uh, kind of abstract idea, whereas art is trying to invite an experience or to open someone to a different way of seeing the world or... Yeah, all of that, all of that. And sometimes like good abstract expressionism can do that, right? Don't get me wrong. Um, I think, you know, the question of what is art is such a weird thing to talk about because we're, we're trying to do the exact thing that I was just saying is kind of boring and uninteresting, right? right? To, to put it in a neat little box and to say, oh, it's that. Okay, great. Moving on. Uh, like, what is art? Well, it's the things that are real. Cool. <laughs> so let me ask you, let me ask you another question. Um, so this, uh, this name of Jesus, uh, do you, is it something that you hear uh, very often, um, kind of day to day nowadays or... Um, do you feel like uh, just talking about Jesus is something that you're able to, like saying that name, is that something that's able, that you're able to do um, on the daily, or is it harder in a secular school? Yeah, it's harder for sure. You know, I have, I do have, it's funny, like I was saying with that administrator, like, uh, first of all, it's not been as big of a deal as I thought that it would be. I was actually kind of scared going in, like it, it's, you know, going to get pilloried for believing in Jesus. Uh but it's not been that at all. And in fact, there have been many opportunities for me to to have genuine conversations with people. Um, not in a, I'm going to convert you, convince you, etc. Um, but just like, in fact, with one of my professors, you know, it, people people tend to um, when they're when they get older, to like wonder what's going to happen to me <laughs> uh, when I die. You know that reality only gets clearer and clearer <laughs> that, that the end is coming. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, I've, ha I've, I've been able to have some really neat conversations with people. I want to show the goodness by show, just by being me, right? By being hopefully a good person <laughs> uh, and kind of leading by example in that sense. And by being authentically yourself, you show yourself to be a uh, Christian uh, in the truest sense. Um, yeah, all they get is the uh, is what the media tells them to think about about the church and about and it's, you know especially these days uh, uh, with the with the abuse, abuse crisis and all of that. We've kind of given like even though Jesus was given this good name, um, we've kind of, we've we've tarnished it, right? And so now the name of Christian is no longer it no longer carries the uh, for many I suppose it no longer carries the same uh, allure or um, they may have an, a very negative reaction even to this name that is given to them to uh, to save them. Um, because it's spoken by by sinful uh, mm -hmm. men and women, um, it now has uh, it's now greeted with um, rejection, even you know, or, or harshness. Yeah. Uh, so, how do you think we how do you think we overcome that? We can't do any of this, right? We have to allow. We've got to take a step back and allow that good name of Jesus to to mean something again to us who have tarnished His name. Um, because if we can't do that, then we won't be living those li those authentic lives. That preach that preach the gospel, but I think that's the first step in yeah in changing.
is to be changed. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, and uh, I mean, the name of Jesus by itself is is actually uh, is a prayer, right? So the name of Jesus, um, uh, or the Jesus Prayer, uh, or Jesus Christ, Son of the Living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, these are powerful prayers, and and uh, it's uh, somewhere in Scripture it says uh, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by power by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So anywhere you see that, uh, you can see like the Holy Spirit's at work here because this person said these words, <clears throat> Jesus Christ is Lord. <clears throat> that means that uh, that the Holy Spirit is at work. This name <clears throat> is accomplishing the end uh, for which it's spoken. And uh, but it, it just it can be hard to see that at times. I think and yeah, and we're so f- we're so fearful and. Partly rightly so, right? Like we we don't want to be, you know, we see we see what a mess that we've made. And we send, we say, well, God, it's just so broken that there's no way that I could ever trust this person, this institution ever again. That's looking at things like people see them rather than the way that the Lord sees, which is through mercy and forgiveness and recognizing that the Holy Spirit is in fact at work, even through, even among the worst of us, right? Like this is how we can ever hope to make sense of the horrible injustices, not just in modern times, but throughout literally the entirety of Christianity and the world. In spite of broken men and women, the Holy Spirit still is among us and works through us. Like, that's crazy to think. You know, Bishop Barron says this a lot, that this problem of evil in the world is one is probably the one that is most um, convincing uh, for the atheist uh, and like that's the that's the struggle that we need to be having. Like, why is there evil in the world? But he like he'll he'll turn it on its head and he'll say, okay, well, granted, yeah, there's evil in the world, but think about how many good people there still are, and how much how much um, people still desire something better. Uh, like, why is that? <laughs> well, it's because the Holy Spirit is at work. Yeah, the world is kind of crappy right now, but think of all of the beautiful. Uh, people and all of the wonderful things that are being done uh, in the name of something better. Like if the, if there was no if there was if it was all just a a failing uh, or a failed enterprise, we just give up, we just stop. But that's not that's not what's happening because it's the work of the Holy Spirit rather than the work of you or me. Yeah, and I think there can be a tendency to kind of focus on the uh, focus on the negative or focus on what's missing uh, rather than what's present. Um, and uh, you know, it's to it's to open all of your Christmas gifts, and yet to realize the one gift you wanted wasn't isn't there, and therefore you like cast aside all of the gifts, right? Or um, there's also, I mean, I think I've spoken about this before, but uh, in um, Islamic art, there uh, you have like these elaborate uh, mosaics and um, and just very ornate designs, but uh, in many of them, there will be one small part that will be just ever so slightly askew or off. Um, and I think this is done in order to show that only God is perfect and nothing that a human being makes could possibly be perfect. Um, but I always, I always kind of see my life as like, uh, there's always like one thing wrong, uh, even, even in the best times, even when I'm most joyful, most, you know, apostolically effective as a Jesuit, whatever else, there's always one thing that's a little off or one relationship that's just kind of irritating me. And as a result, I put all of my energy and all my focus onto that one small defect and lose sight of, uh, lose sight of, you know, the, all the good. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so I'm sort of naming, uh, my life, uh, by the, by the defect instead of by this, by the, the overabundant, um, uh, like just gratuitous goodness that, uh, is really a much bigger part of the, the mosaic or the, the work of my life. Um, 
And I think that's that's always uh, a temptation from the evil one. That's always a temptation to discouragement or despair. And I think the same can be said in our church. I mean, if you look at the number of uh, people who receive the sacraments and the the grace that is at work in the church in uh, bringing people hope in, um, I mean, just bringing people to a happy death. I mean, the number of times I've seen a happy death um, of a Christian um, as a priest or uh, uh, as a man in formation um, is just staggering. So I, I've just seen uh, many happy deaths. I've seen many people live good lives. Um, I've encountered the lives of the saints and the martyrs through literature and um, accounts of their of their life. So there's there's so much good. Um, and I think that is another way of kind of getting at the problem of evil, uh, that the problem of evil is, is perhaps uh, to a large extent um, simply fo- choosing to focus on, on uh, the negative instead of on um, what God is doing, uh, that God gives us what we need uh, as we need it and, and not before, um, and that uh, ultimately that, that Jesus Christ is enough, that God is enough, and that um, the things we're lacking are not uh, so significant as to... Um, yeah, altogether um, outweigh or uh, outdo um, God's presence uh, still in our midst in spite of all the evil or all the problems that we that we have and see. Yeah, there's a really interesting thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently, uh, and you kind of made me think about it uh, just there, is, okay, yeah, God is enough. I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> uh, I'm affirming that. Uh, God is enough. Uh, God has given all that we uh, given us all that we need. But you know, like I think a lot of us forget that. I think we forget what that actually means. Like God, what has God given us? Well, God gave me a family. God gave me friends. God gave me the Society of Jesus. God gave me, you know, this whole network of of support. Uh, and you know, we we have this very individualistic mindset. It's like, oh, I can't trust any of that because God will provide. It's like, well, no, God provided all of that stuff for, for, for me. Uh, and so part of realizing that God is enough is also realizing that I am only strong enough because of Christ in me, yes, but because Christ is in you as well. <laughs> and we are there to support each other in that. Yeah, I mean, there could, there could be a, a pride in kind of casting off good things because I think, well, I, I'd be stronger if I didn't have this, or I'd be you know, more uh, free of my attachments to the, the help of my family or the help of, you know, these other men in religious life if, uh, if I would just went off on my own. But uh, that's also what the fool does mm-hmm. in, in thinking that he has yeah. uh, the wherewithal to uh, endure the, the temptations and the struggles of this life by himself. And, uh, and sometimes these, uh, yeah, sometimes very uh, good helps um, uh, of having brothers or a family or whatever else uh, nearby can um, can help us to not lose heart, uh, that we don't always know our own strength, and, and the world is uh, often um, a burden to us. And so um, it's good to accept the help that's offered to us as it's offered and to not um, think more of our own powers than is warranted. Um, There's a, uh, my hot take for that is that, you know, we have that saying that God won't give you uh, more than you can handle. He gives you enough strength to make it through. I think that's a total lie. Right. It does all the time. Right. Because it, I, by myself, I am too weak. Right. <laughs> uh, and so absolutely, there's more than I can handle, which right. is why the world exists, why Jesus took on flesh, right. uh, was given that 
that name above every other name. And I mean, especially in terms of, uh, you know, the experience of addicts, which I, I don't have uh, personal experience with, but just I, I know a number of addicts. Uh, I mean, asking for help and, and uh, admitting their powerlessness before God and uh, surrendering to um, just surrendering that and um, giving up resentments and all the, all the rest of the steps of what they do. Uh, so much of it is uh, recognizing that, like, I, I need help. I, I need to accept the help of others. Um, and that when I try to do things by myself, um, I end up in a, a downward spiral and, and fail. Uh, and I think that's, I think it's true of, of most of us, um, uh, that we, we really do need the help of others. We really do need, um, to call upon God, to mention this holy name, um, and to call upon God for help and, uh, and to trust that, um, that it's given to us, uh, for a reason and, and that, uh, the opportunity to call upon him is itself a gift, uh, and, uh, and so we accept that gift when we call upon him, when we ask for his help, um, when we speak his name to another person. Well, I mean, but think of the, think of the connection to the sacrament of confession, right? You mentioned that Jesus prayer, which is, it's the act of contrition that I use, um, cause I can never remember the other one, the long one. <laughs> uh, but it's a beautiful way of acknowledging that I'm a sinner and I'm in desperate need of God's mercy and God's love. Um, after I've just laid out, you know, uh, all of my dirty laundry <laughs> in the sacrament saying, okay, well now I can move forward. Um, like I think there's, I think there is, there's a beautiful connection there and, uh, yeah, to the sacrament that it's not just, you know, we don't just say the name of Jesus when we're feeling good. It's like, Oh, thanks Jesus for blessing me today with, you know, health or son or whatever. Uh, but rather I am a broken human being. We all are. Uh, and here I am begging for God's mercy and using the name of Jesus to do so. Awesome. Well, uh, happy feast. And, uh, I feel like there's no better way to conclude than, uh, by playing our, our outro right, music, yeah. which is also our intro music. I feel so calm all of a sudden. It's a really pleasant, really pleasant outro. So thanks. Uh, thanks for listening to everybody. And, uh, hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. <laughs>